Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. My name is Ann Hardy and I'm the Outreach Director for Desert Spring. It is my pleasure to be our podcast host for today. This is a roundtable podcast produced by Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our goal is to discuss our weekly Wednesday devotional with our guests in the hope of refreshing our spirits while learning more about the faith journey of our guests. The devotionals we discuss are related to Sunday's sermon in some way. They could expand on the theme or have a point of view twist, but always will be related to Sunday's sermon. If you missed Sunday's sermon and you'd like to check that out, please go to Desert Springs website at desertspringchurch.com. It is my pleasure to welcome today's guests. Today we are joined by Tim Wanamaker. Hello. Chris Devereaux. Hello. And Grant Wilhite. Hi. <laughs> okay, uh, Tim, why don't you uh, give a little bit of your history and background with Desert Spring? Um, I've been a member, I would say, probably close to uh, 20 years, um, practically the whole time that I've lived in Las Vegas. Uh, currently, I am the uh, lay delegate to the annual conference, as well as I am a, uh, a member of the uh, counting committee. So that's mm-hmm. my kind of my tie-in to, well, to the church you. here. Thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Chris. Uh, most people who go to the church know me, but I've been here for quite a few years. Uh, I run the sound booth now and uh, do the technology with the church. And um, yeah, it's happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Busy job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Grant? I am the current membership director here at DSUMC, and I also do a good bit of office work assisting Loy. Mm-hmm. Another busy part of the church. Yeah. Well, thank you all for being here with us. Um, we can start with Pastor David's devotional for today. Uh, Pastor David begins with scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14a. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. And from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, this is also our memory verse for this week. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose sanctification. It is a theological word that is intended to capture the ways the Holy Spirit works within us to grow us in the faith. In Ephesians chapter 4, St. Paul compared sanctification to growth from infancy to maturity. When we first become a Christian, we are like a baby in the faith. We have much to learn and experience. Over time, with the help of the Holy Spirit, We grow up in our faith until that day when we reach maturity, or what Paul calls the full stature of Christ. This growth is marked by change. The Holy Spirit changes us in many ways. Some of the ways the Holy Spirit has changed me, this is Pastor David speaking, includes growing in humility, in patience, and rather than having to know everything, be willing to embrace the mystery of God. 
what are some changes you can point to in your life since becoming a Christian? It's a good question. What do you think, Tim? Um, I think prior to really accepting Christ and becoming a Christian, I thought in order to be a Christian, your life was perfect. Mm. Yet you basically had no problems. And if you did, you know, it was easy to handle them. And, and so once I accepted Christ and I really believe that I did become a Christian, I realized it's a journey. And throughout this journey, there's going to be really, really, really rough times. And then there's, there's also going to be those good times as well. Um, so I think one of the biggest changes in me was just accepting, number one, Christians are not perfect. And number two, that there's going to be struggles throughout this journey. Um, and so it's having that, that faith and that trust that, you know, God, Christ is going to help you get through, you know, whatever it happens to be at that moment at that time. Mm -hmm. So I think probably one of the, like I said, just realizing, okay, being a Christian doesn't mean life is going to be easy and everything's going to be perfect and I'm going to know how to handle everything. And, you know, that's, that's not the case. Right. So I think that's kind of a, one of the, you know, I guess changes because maybe when I did, after I accepted Christ, maybe I did kind of anticipate or expect things were going to always go well <laughs> and life was nice? going to be good or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, why wouldn't anybody want this? And then, then it's just like, no, that's, right. you know, that's, that's not reality. That's not the way it is. Right. And, and it's almost exactly the opposite. It, you're absolutely because absolutely. you will experience you know troubles and trials and tribulations and there will be people who don't understand what you're doing with your life they don't agree with what you're doing and um you know i i always think well if jesus had trouble and i'm following jesus i'm following him right into trouble so you know right. it's almost the opposite yeah. of that right absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what about you, Grant? What have what are some changes you can point to in your life since becoming a Christian? Well, I've definitely learned a lot more patience and acceptance. Uh, for me, previously, before I was Christian, through a good chunk of my middle school to teenage years, I just had absolutely no patience. And if I thought something was dumb, I would be very quick to voice my thoughts on why it was dumb or why it could be better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after being a Christian, and it, to be fair, it's taken a good chunk of my teenage years and the brief adult years I've had of just learning to take a step back, breathe when something frustrates me, or if I see something and I don't think it's the most efficient or effective way or it could be done better, to just go, you know what, it's okay. Right. It doesn't have to be the way I think it has to be. This process doesn't have to happen the way I want it to happen. It's okay for other ways for this to happen and, and to get done. Yeah. Yeah, that's, well, that's quite a bit of growth. Um, how old were you, uh, Grant, when you accepted Christ? Oh, you know, it's it's really interesting because it was a very weird journey because I I was raised to be Christian, and then due to extenuating circumstances, um, I grew to resent Christian. I don't think I was technically ever not Christian because I always believed that God existed. I just for a brief period of time resented him because I had a very problematic school life. Mm. 
And so it was it was less about learning to be Christian and more learning what Christianity and what God meant to me and fully understanding what Christianity was. Because I don't remember a period in my life that I wasn't around churches except for when I went, I'm done with this. This sucks. Life is terrible. Clearly, these people don't know what they're talking about. And then as I became a teenager, I started going to youth group because it was a place where I wanted to go to make friends and I was still sort of being forced to go to church mm -hmm. at that, forced in quotations, uh, to go to church at that point. And through starting to go to youth group, I started to get a better understanding of what God actually is and that God wasn't the one creating these problems. These problems would exist no matter what, but God was there to help me through them. And so that's really where everything started changing and where I, I learned that God cares for me and God loves me and God is doing everything to help me get through these things. Wow. So you were um, you were at 13 or 14 or so? I was probably closer to 15 or 15. 16 okay. when I fully understood it. The right. process started probably about 14, but I, I still couldn't quite wrap my head around it. It was a couple of years. And really what ended up happening was when I was in Louisiana, um, I started going to youth group there. And for a while, the youth group was always changing. I was the only really stagnant member up until I got my last youth leader, who just absolutely fantastic woman, really just taught me so much about Christ and God and the Bible. Wonderful, wonderful lady. And, you know, she put me in uh, a lot of times a position of leadership, which helped me understand that the things I was trying to do to help these kids was what God was trying to do to help me. And I just needed to open the door to let him help me rather than keep closing it and going, I want nothing to do with you. And so I got more involved in the church there as well as the youth group and just being around so many people. You know, I became very, very good with the pastor at the time there, uh, a head pastor, and getting to spend time with him and getting to learn more just even like outside of church if we'd ever see each other because it was while well, my dad was still in the military. So we'd run into each other, you know, at the food court in the PX or just mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at times. And so... Very cool. Just a lot of a lot of just being around people who were able to talk to me and explain all this to me and being able to see it in my real life be applied. Cool. That's that's profound. I'm I'm glad uh, you had that growing up. That's great. What about you, Chris? What it, how have you changed? Mine's kind of an amalgamation of both of your answers. Um, I before coming to live with Jerry and Dave, uh, which I was seven when I came to live with them. Um, my biological mom would take me to, I think, I think it was a four square church, uh, but a kind of fundamentalist, um, non-denominational. Um, and my experience there, this was a young child, obviously under seven, um, was, I thought it was weird that they were speaking in tongues. And so the kind of the things that I experienced as a younger child, um, didn't I really wasn't that interested in it yeah. <laughs> you know what I what I thought Christianity to be or what I thought going to church was was uh, supposed to be and it really wasn't until kind of later on that um, similarly to to Grant that um, recognized kind of what it was as you were saying Tim kind of more about um, even as David says you know humility and patience and and the things that you kind of learn um, to help you through life as opposed to the uh, the things you do as a Christian to be a part of a church. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I have a similar experience to Grant as far as kind of wandering, uh, you know, and then wandering back. Uh, and for me, it was um, the slow reaction of uh, big uh, uppercase church um, to respond to questions um, in our current society. Um, kind of what we're talking about in this Romans, uh, you know, passages and uh, uh, series. Um, and that's what kind of, uh, not forced me, but but I questioned at that point if I wanted to be a part of it. But then kind of going through college, um, came back to the faith um, because, you know, I had a real calling to it, to be honest. Um, so I was part of uh, Christian fellowship at UNLV. Um, and and have slowly kind of just continued to you know dive into uh, teachings and learnings of, of Jesus and stuff. So um, kind of a, a similar to to these two. Mm-hmm. And then if I can just kind of same thing, kind of pig, piggyback yeah. onto what both of you were saying. Same. I was I was raised in a United you know, Methodist church, but I mean. It was, you know, you went to church on Sunday, maybe, you know, some potluck or whatever that they would have and and so on. But after becoming a Christian, I realized the importance of community. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's one of the things, and I've shared this story before, I came to to Desert Spring the the second week that I lived in, in Las Vegas, and I was instantly, instantly drawn to this church mm. because I said it felt like family, even though I knew nobody. And I just that sense of community. And so I think as a Christian, you recognize the importance of that community, mm-hmm. of, of just have having that feeling of, of you know, s- similar, you know, like-minded believers. It just, it, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe. It's just kind of one of those things, maybe the Holy Spirit or whatever, where you just, you just feel it. You mm-hmm. just know. Yeah. And you don't have to, you know, it's like, well, well, well why? I don't know, but I just feel it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that sense of community, and I know, Grant, you were saying how you were kind of, you know, back and forth, and then until you finally got in the youth group or whatever, it's just kind of that sense of belonging and just being comfortable in, in who mm-hmm. you are. And so I think as a Christian, just the the importance of community has mm-hmm. really, I mean, and the older I get, it becomes even even stronger, even more important. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. And one of my thoughts on this question was um, how much more as I get, um, well, hopefully, as I get more and more mature in my faith, uh, I want a deeper connection with other Christians, and I want to hear their stories, and I want to worship, and and I want to connect with God through my brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, that was definitely one of my thoughts about uh, change. Yeah. So Pastor David goes on and says, as I have grown in my faith, I have times when I feel closer to God, and I definitely trust God more and more. How has growth in faith impacted your relationship with God? Chris, you want to start us off? I'm just trying to wrap my head around. I I feel like it's a little obvious. I feel closer. Um, I feel like there's more of a purpose. Um, Okay. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. Grant, you have anything to add to that? Actually, um, I don't think this might sound a little weird. I wouldn't, for me, I don't look at it as how my growth in faith has impacted my relationship with God, but instead as how my relationship with God has impacted my growth in faith. Mm. 
because what happened for me and on that journey I talked about was especially when I had these beliefs of you know God hates me and and he's doing these he's creating these problems for me I decided to essentially look at it head on and look at my relationship with God and as I reevaluated and learned more and things changed my relationship with God got better which in turn grew my faith because I was starting straight at what I considered the source and learning to change that relationship and look at it differently and as such I believe that has made me a it's taken me from someone who barely believed to where I am today very good very good Tim do you have any thoughts on uh, how your growth and faith has impacted your relationship with God yeah I would say at least for me as my faith has grown I I've become more trusting and it's really strengthened my faith. Faith, um, I hate, hate to admit it, but there would be times, you know, when I'd pray, I would do the bargaining. Well, God, if you do this, I will do this. If you, you know, help this person, if you make them well, then I will do this. So it's always kind of that you scratch, you know, my back, I'll scratch mm -hmm. your type of thing. And as my faith has become stronger, I that's not even part of my thinking or my prayer. I mean, it, that doesn't even come into it anymore. And like I said, so I just I just feel like I have a lot more faith, a lot more trust. Um, and I, it just, I don't know, like I, it just kind of puts me at ease mm -hmm. um, when I just feel like I'm just kind of turning it over. I mean, I hate to say this, but I, I tend to be a control freak. I like to control. And so for me to just turn something over to God, I mean, that's huge for mm -hmm. me. I mean, that's a major—I I need to do that more in my, you know, relationships with other people mm -hmm. to, to kind of, you know, give them, you know, the freedom of, of choice and so on. But but when it comes to God, I, I'm really—I'm getting so much better at that. And it's such, mm -hmm. it's such a nice feeling. It is— kind of a just a calming and just uh it's so funny. it's a peaceful feeling yeah because i have the exact same <laughs> again i was like okay i'm calmer in my faith i'm able to give things over much more wholly and um i'm more secure that god wants the best for me so um it's funny I, our answers seem to be mirroring each other at this point um, yeah, well, and I can certainly relate to that, too. You know, I felt a huge weight off my shoulders when I realized the conversations I was having with God were changing from, why are you doing this to me, to, today sucked, can I talk to you about it? Mm -hmm. Because that will help me feel better. Mm -hmm. And it was like, instead of fighting with an enemy, it turned into talking to a friend and just made my day better because it felt like I was talking to someone who cared about me rather than just mm -hmm. going against a wall. Well, it, it's like it's a conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's it, not, yeah. It's so when you were saying like you were talking to a friend, it is. It's, it's like a conversation. And mm -hmm. I think once you, you know, get closer and closer and closer to that point, you know, going back to you, and it is, it's this that's calming. You just, you know, mm -hmm. how you're able to just kind of let some things go and yeah. just, so. And there certainly was a time in my faith life, Grant, where, I felt like the things that were going wrong in my life were punishments. Yeah. I'm being punished for not being more faithful. I'm being punished for, you know, 
whatever it was um, that I felt. And God really reached into that and actually told me, I could hear it, that um, he said, I don't work that way. And so there was an actual God moment of God telling me that I was not, what was going on in my life at the time was not a punishment. Yeah. But doesn't that kind of go back to, this was a podcast, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember who your guests were, but you, it was, you're talking about how, you know, how you view the Bible, what lenses you, you use to read the Bible and, and to get your, you know, what the Bible means to you. And some people kind of, their view is almost like punishment, is judgment, you know, that type of a thing. And I think at least I know for me, as my faith has grown, I've become more focused in on on the love and, you know, okay, he, he loves me and, you know, he, he's not punishing me for X, Y, and Z or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it has to do with when you're reading the scripture, you know, through what lens are you reading that scripture? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for, you know, a you know God that's full of judgment and being vindictive, or are you, you know, okay, you know, God loves me, Jesus loves me, you know, you know, they want what's best for me, right? And being able to rest in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, uh, Pastor David says that growth in faith has also brought greater awareness of the struggles and needs of people around me, and it has made me more aware of what I can do about the need. How has growing in your faith impacted the way you involve yourself in the lives of other people? Tim, you want to kick us off? I would say I'm much more aware of what other people are going through, and if if I've gone through something similar that, you know, I can provide them the, the you know, the, the, the support, whether it's emotionally, whether it's, you know, oh, they need me to do this for them, you know, that type of thing. So I'm just becoming more aware, I think, of, of the people's needs. Um, and, you know, part of it, I can remember, you know, this is when I was still teaching, you know, I had some colleagues who had gone through like the death of a parent or that type of thing, in which I had experienced. And so, I was able to, you know, just kind of share. I, I never use the term, oh, I know exactly what you're going through. No, you don't, <laughs> you know, because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I would just, you know, share, you know, what I went through and, you know, how I was able to handle it and so on. And then even a couple of years ago, I had a medical diagnosis and that I had to go through. And um, so in the process, I at that time, I was sharing it with very, very few people. I think here at the church, it was Pastor David that knew and, and Jerry that knew, and that was that was about it. And then the same thing at school, only, you know, maybe four or five people, because it was just something I thought, okay, I have to, you know, to get through this and so on. Now that I'm past that, then I use that and I share it with people, you know, trying to, you know, make sure you're going to the doctor, make sure you're taking care of yourself, make sure, you know. So I think that having the faith that I was able to get through, you know, my, with, through my mom's death and I was able to get through, you know, what I had to deal with medically, you know, and so much of that came from the strength that I received, you know, from God and, you know, from prayer. And so, mm-hmm. so I do share that with other people that are, you know, going through something similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. So, um, 
so what do you think, Chris? And, and the the other, the three of us, except for Tim, are uh, church staff. And so I think we might have different thoughts mm-hmm. on, on this question um, about how you're involving yourself um, in the lives of others. What do you think? Well, for me, it's, it comes down to sharing. It makes, you know, I want to share. And that kind of takes um, a couple of um, routes. One, I want to share for non-believers, non-Christians, and sometimes that's providing scripture if they're open to it. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, you know, you can't just spout scripture and have someone, you know, even positively respond to that, depending on their circumstance. Um, always sharing, you know, God's love and acceptance. And then on the other side, sharing with even people who say that there are Christians that maybe are um, uh, excluding or are, um, you know, viewing something in, in a way that uh, maybe doesn't honor uh, Jesus's name or, or Christ. Um, so those are kind of my, my two. Um, I'm not always good at it, and I've always been more apprehensive on the evangelism side, but I feel myself getting more and more comfortable with that mm-hmm. each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely picking, I'm, I want to piggyback off of Chris and Tim. Uh, you know, me 10 years ago when I was 14 would just be like, I don't want to talk to you about anything. Just don't worry about it. I'm going to deal with my stuff. You deal with your stuff. And now, you know, at 24, it's it's very much the exact opposite of, I don't care how deep it goes. If anything that I've ever been through can help someone else, I want to share that. I want to let people know, you know, because I've, I've got friends right now who I was talking to after we did some of the mental health stuff who were like, yeah, I listened to that. And it's it's good to know that even though we're not going through it the same way, that there's someone who can in some way relate to me so I, I'm not feeling so alone. And so, you know, especially like the mental health stuff, when I talked about my attempted suicide and everything, I, I know a lot of people that that necessarily wouldn't be something they'd be willing to talk about. But for me, it's just anything. I don't care how ugly of a side of me it is. I don't care how bad it makes me look. If what I did and what I went through can help you and and help you feel better, help you make decisions you don't know how to make, just any way it can help someone, mm-hmm. I want to share it. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, it, in my role as a staff member, um, I think people do are a little more open um, with their, what they're going through emotionally and, and uh, maybe with their health and so forth. So you're kind of privileged, you know, to know things that they maybe would not um, freely talk about uh, with others. And so I, I, I make sure that I am good about checking in on people and circling back and, you know, making sure everybody is, you know, maybe making progress in, in whatever they're going through and not getting stuck, um, in one, uh, mode or, or something. And, and, um, it, it's a privilege, um, I think to, to be on the receiving end of people's trust. Um, and, and I 
just I pray so much for people and and um, just try to check on them, you know, pray and check on everybody. That's good. People need that. (laughs) Well, and you do such a fantastic job about that, you know, especially, and I hear about it in the office when the question's like, "Has anyone?" checked on this person i'm sure ann has we'll check with ann first (laughs) because you do you do such a good job about checking in on people and making sure everyone is okay and happy and even in theoreticals when we're talking about staff meeting you're the first person to go well how's this going to work for this group or or that person and you know is everyone going to be happy with with this or with that you just do such a fantastic job of that well thank you and and i think that also comes from being um church staff and one of my main responsibilities for 10 years of of my job here was hospitality and so intentionally um creating welcoming spaces for as many people as i could um so i appreciate your support and those kind words it means a lot. Okay, sanctification always includes the Holy Spirit convicting us of times when we are wrong. While we might not like admitting it, there are times when Christians get it wrong. We can have moments when we are judgmental. We can have times when we expect others to believe as we believe and behave the way that we think is the most appropriate. As I mentioned in my devotional two weeks ago, For several years, I was wrong when it came to my understanding of human sexuality. Thank God, the Holy Spirit worked on me and brought about change. Because of the work of the Spirit, I am more accepting and a better pastor for many members of our church. Early in my ministry, the Holy Spirit convicted me concerning forgiveness. Before then, I held on to old grievances. Since then, I have learned to move quickly on to forgiveness. These are just two examples of many I could offer from my life. How about you? Have there been times in your life when the Holy Spirit convicted you? Have there been times when you realized that you were wrong about something or someone and you needed to change? Hmm. What do you think? Grant, do you, th- you oh, want to... Oh, I, I used to be super, super judgmental. Like I, uh, I was mentioning briefly earlier, I'm trying to... It's weird because... The kind of judgmental I used to be was actually sort of towards Christianity and, and towards people of religion because the the kind of household I was brought up in was accepting of people, you know, regardless of race, gender, color, just love everyone. And the picture that had been painted to me of Christians and, and of the Bible in particular was that they were homophobic, that you had to fit into their perfect little box, and if you didn't, you were just going to hell, end of story. And, you know, for me, especially when my relationship with God was getting better, learning how wrong that was and what the Bible actually means, you know, there's that passage about not judging people and our only job is to love thy neighbor, and learning that that's really the true true message when you break it down to its very simple core and just learning to to relook at that and yeah just just learning to to just change that and not just jump to conclusions through what i had seen through media and how it was painted sometimes on tv shows and just learning that people just 
for the most part, people just want to love and care about other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so it was it was really funny when uh, I came out as bi was I, I had a thought, you know, a little bit after and after I had told some people was like, man, I don't I think 10 years ago, I never could have done this, especially to some of my coworkers. I would have just been in that little mind box of, well, I'm by, they're going to think I'm going to hell and just try to constantly tell me that. And no one was anything but accepting. And just like, yeah, okay, cool. Glad glad you trusted me and cared enough to tell me about this. I'm so glad to learn more about you. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm glad you got that reaction. That's awesome. What do you think, Chris? I feel convicted every day. Do you really? Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, What's I'm not... What's going on? Well, I'm not, uh, you know, a, a, a bad person or, or anything, but I think that um, if you don't feel convicted, then, you know how are you changing? You know, so I feel convicted about, you know, little things all the time. Um, Nothing necessarily as monumental as, you know, human sexuality, like David points out, because uh, as I mentioned, that was kind of what, you know, one of the main reasons why I kind of wandered away was, was the way that the big church uh, uh, treated my, you know, friends and and people who I felt close to um, that didn't feel like they could go to church anymore. Um, And, but, but yeah, I feel convicted to be more loving, to be more understanding, to be less judgmental, um, to be more giving, you know, um, do I give enough to the church? Do I give enough of my time mm-hmm. outside of, outside of what I'm required to for work? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do I give enough of my money? Do, uh, do I feel convicted when I'm, uh, see somebody homeless? You know, am I doing anything about that? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel convicted all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. Tim, any thoughts on that one? Yeah. I mean, very similar, um, but I guess I'm going to use a slightly different example. Um, I just, just growing up, and I mean, I don't know, you know, when I first started hearing it or, or what have you, but I can remember if somebody was on food stamps and they were seen like in the grocery store or whatever, it, the implication, kind of the, the worldly view was that person must be lazy. You know, why don't they have a job? Why aren't they doing, you know, they, you know, they don't need that and, and this and that or whatever. And I'm ashamed to admit it. I, I kind of started to buy into that. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking, okay, why do they need that? You know, why aren't they working? Why don't they, you know, because I mean, you know, in my, you know, my, both my parents worked, you know, and, and, you know, just that strong work ethic and, and so on. And then, uh, as I started meeting more people, and then uh, with you know with the growth in my faith, I started hearing their stories, and it totally, I'm just I was just like, oh my, I have been so wrong, mm-hmm. you know who was I to judge, mm-hmm. because you can never walk in anybody else's footsteps, and I mean, and the longer I live, the more I believe that. And I can remember this was just, this was like a few years ago. I mean, I went to, and I was getting my, my haircut and, you know, he was sharing how, you know, he owned his own shop now and, and what have you. But he said like five years previous to that, and this was pre-pandemic, but like five years previous to that, he had been on food stamps and he kind of had the same outlook that I did early on 
that what's wrong with these people, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and no fault of his own. I mean, just because of life circumstances, everything just kind of. And so he was literally on them for like, he said, I don't know, like eight months or something. But it was that that propelled him to where he was able to own his own shop now and so on. And so what I noticed and is that I'm becoming more and more of an advocate for those people that are vulnerable, mm-hmm. for those people that don't have that voice, or I don't want to say that you know they're powerless, but maybe that they feel powerless or whatever. Because I'm, I just feel so blessed with what I have and you know what I've been able, you know, with my upbringing and, and what have you, and I just have to recognize that that's not the case for so many people out there. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, so one of the areas where I've been wrong is kind of being that that judgmental person. Mm. And it's like, okay, you know, what did you, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that or whatever? You know, this is why you're, you know, what that type of a thing. And I'm just like, that mm-hmm. was so wrong. That mm-hmm. was so wrong. I think that's a particularly easy conclusion to, to venture towards as Americans because we do have such a, an immense uh, ability for choice that we assume that somebody's circumstances are because of their choices. Um, and oftentimes it's not. Um, when I was with my birth mother uh, before seven, we were, we were definitely on food stamps. And that perspective, you know, um, it does change you when you recognize that, you know, as a small kid, I didn't have a choice to be on, you know, that. I didn't have a choice what my mother was doing uh, with her money or with her free time or anything like that. Um, but yeah, putting yourself in those shoes uh, without kind of the expectations that you deserve an explanation why somebody might be on those food stamps um, kind of can change your perspective for sure. I think the older we get, the more gray area True. there is. <laughs> you know, when you're young, it's black, it's right, it's yeah. right, it's wrong. Yep. And, you know, the older I get, it's just like, well, it's just shades of gray. Yeah. It, yeah. You know. Well, and experience, too, will do a lot of that because I, I used to look – very much in that black black and white of like Tim and Chris was saying with food if you're on food stamps it's because you're making a choice you're choosing not to get a job you're choosing not to be a productive member of society and as I've gone through certain things in my life it's just a punch in the gut of gray and you know here's this and and here's that and it's it's not that mm-hmm. yeah yeah um uh, I I have a story to share too that's that's on a different path than we've been talking about. Um, but years ago um, in my life, I was dealing with a difficult person um, who was challenging me a lot all the time. Um, it seemed like every time I turned around, there was a new challenge that I had to deal with with this person, and and I felt like I was being wronged. I didn't understand why I was being challenged the way I was. And, you know, what have I done? I don't know what I've done to this person. Um, And I was, I was hardening my heart toward this person. I was, I was thinking a lot of uncharitable thoughts, you know, while being challenged by this person. And God just totally convicted me that, um, this is a learning opportunity. This is not, this challenge has come around for you to learn to keep your heart softened toward this person, for you to, to understand that there may be something in their life that you are not privileged to, 
And these behaviors or these challenges that you're experiencing may be a part of that. Um, and it, it, was, it was definitely learning about myself. And I ultimately was led to say thanks to God, not for the challenges, but for this person that was challenging me. Um, and uh, really it was a, a growth opportunity um, that I was convicted, you know, convicted about. Uh, in Romans 8.28, St. Paul tells us that all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called to, according to God's purpose. This is a power, powerful affirmation of the power of God to use Christians like you and me. Christians who are not perfect and don't always get everything right. Our limitations do not limit what God is able to do within us and through us. God can take our failures and mistakes and redeem them for God's purpose, bringing good out of failures, struggles, and even suffering. Have there been times in your life when you experienced God making your failures or struggles or suffering into something good and in the process blessing the life of another person? Now, I'm interested to hear the stories that are going to come out. Uh, who who's, wants to go first? Tim? Um, I'll just share one, that, and this just happened, it was just last week. Um, someone, um, she was going through a, a there was a medical uh, episode with, with her, with her husband. And um, so, I mean, I knew she was, you know, busy. She was at the hospital and this. And so I just, you know, simple text, you know, I'm thinking of you and, you know, this type of a thing. Well, then she texted back. Well, then it just, and so I started, you know, I was using some scripture and, you know, I was, you know, you know, you know, God's going to, you know, he is there, you know, I'm praying for you and, you know, what have you. And so this went on for maybe like, three days or so, and then everything was fine. You know, her husband was able to get out of the hospital or whatever. Well, then she texted me back, and she goes, she goes, you don't know how much these texts meant to me. And I'm, you know, I mean, I was just, I'm like, I don't even know how I responded to her or whatever. And then she said, she goes, she goes, every time I looked at my phone and I saw it was a text from you, she goes, I could not wait to read it mm. she and then she jokingly said she goes you should write an inspirational book Aww. and so i mean I, for me it was just you know i mean i wasn't making a big deal i mean i was concerned and yes i was praying and everything i'd put in there you know you know i you know i i you know i believed it and you know it was something you know that i meant but i did not realize the impact and then even the next day she sent me another text, you know, thanking me again and how much it was appreciated and so on. And so, you know, once again, you know, you know, some of the things, you know, that I'd been through, like I said, with my mom and being in the hospital and just the anxiety of it and getting test results back and, you know, they're not going to get them until the next day. And mm -hmm. just the, you know, being so, you know, the anxiety and just the fear and the stress levels were. And so, you know, I was, you know, and I was, I was just like, okay, just, you know, I'm trying to keep her calm and, you know, and, you know, keep positive, you know, and, you know, God's there. I mean, so I was doing all of it. And like I said, it was just, then to get that response back from her, just really, I'm just like, oh, wow, you know? And in a way, I was kind of, it, I don't want to say it made me feel good, but I was thinking I wasn't doing it for 
you know, for me. Right. It wasn't for me. And so the fact that she, you know, that my intention is exactly what I had hoped. So that, like I said, so that made me, you know, that made Mm. me feel really good. So Mm -hmm. that's, like I said, that was just something that that was actually, that just happened last week. I can, I can understand, uh, you know, being in that hospital room is a dark time and Mm -hmm. for someone to walk with you even by text through that time. Yeah. Um, and able to shine uh, God's yeah. light into that darkness. Yeah. Well, because I, I'm, for myself, I had gone through that same thing, you know, like I said, you know, a couple, you know, two years, you know, two years ago, it was the same thing, you know, and I was waiting for results for like four weeks and, you know, mm. just, you know, just every time the phone would ring, it's like, okay, is this the doctor? Is this or that or whatever? And so, I mean, I had some sense, you know, of, you know, of, you know, of what that's like mm. or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I can help in some little way or whatever. And so I really, I think it did. Yes. Yes. Definitely a blessing for both of you. You're right. It was, it was. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, I I think Grant, you're, you're really going to have some powerful stories if you don't right now, Um, you know, being so open with your life and what you're going through, what you've been through. Um, certainly you, you will reap the benefits of, of understanding how that has blessed someone else's life. Yeah. I, uh, I've sort of got a story. I don't remember all the exact details, but, uh, I play a card game, Magic the Gathering, uh, every weekend. And one of the guys that's a regular at the shop I play with, um, he and I have had, uh, he's a little bit younger than me. He's, I guess he's four years younger than me because he's 20 and I'm 24. And, you know, he's just freshly out of high school. And he's go he's in that, you know, struggle of I'm out of high school. Now I'm supposed, I'm told all of a sudden I need to know what I want to do for the rest of, the, of my life. But really, I've got no clue. And, you know, I'm coming just sort of from that. And a couple of other things that have happened to me in high school. We've had some, some 3 a.m. conversations where we've just been outside of the shop, just talking for hours and just hanging out. And so I don't know, I, I don't know how helpful any of it's been. Uh, no one ever really volunteers that information to me. I don't ask for it. And for me, I'm perfectly okay with it. I think if it's meant to help, it'll help. And if it's not meant to help, maybe they can use it to help somebody else. So I, I don't really know how useful any of this information is to the people I pass it along, but I, I hope in some way it is. Mm-hmm. And it can take years, I think, for those stories to come back to you, um, certainly. So, yeah, I think if you just keep being open to people and, and it'll, it'll certainly come back around. Um, I had um, an experience here at the church. This was... Um, we must have come to Desert Spring around the same time, Tim, because I've been here about 20 years as well. And um, this was so probably 19 or 18 years ago. Um, I was a, one of the preschool Sunday school teachers, um, and I just had a ball with that. I did that for six years. But they, we had an absolute ton of preschool kids at that time. There were probably 17 preschoolers that were, wow. and it was in this room down here, just a teeny tiny little oh, room. Geez. In and, chapel? Uh, yeah, room one, where the wow. chapel is now. Wow. And um, 
and they were they were fun and funky and groovy and i loved them but it's a big group for one person and so i would get really nervous before sundays you know because you know if one says they have to go to the bathroom then i gotta take 17 <laughs> of them with and it's just like okay i need help and so i i prayed i prayed god please help me to send someone i, I i'm gonna need some help um and here came this grandmother from out of town and she said do you need some help and i said yes <laughs> please <laughs> <laughs> and she ended up saying, I never saw her again. She was just in town for that one Sunday. Um, but I told her, I said, I prayed last night for help. And she said, do you know how long it's been since I was the answer to somebody's prayer? Oh, wow. And so we uh, we really had a God moment. She <laughs> so that was uh, that was the time that my struggles really blessed blessed her and blessed me right back, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. David says, our God is a God of redemption, redeeming every aspect of our life. This brings us back to sanctification. The goal of sanctification is that you and I love God and love people fully and completely. By the grace of God, I believe God will accomplish this in my life and in yours. God bless you, and I will see you in church, Pastor Dave. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spending your time with us. Uh, we pray that this time has blessed you and refreshed you on your faith journey. I'd like to thank our guests, Tim and Chris and Grant, for sharing part of their faith stories and their thoughts with us. Uh, if you're watching the video of this podcast, please know that our audio podcast is available to you through SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. And you can find the devotional in text form. Along with links to everything else, it's on our website, desertspringchurch.com. Let's say a quick prayer in closing, if we would, please. Loving God, I'm so thankful for the people around this table, for them sacrificing their time for this podcast and for the listeners. Thank you that you have grown us in our faith, that you continue to grow us, and that um, for this venue, I thank you that we can learn about each other and learn about each other's faith. Please bless the listeners of this podcast. May this be a blessing in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>